You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. My name is Sean Kelly. This is the World Football Programme. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings. Um, hard show for the boys this morning, but they, true professionals, they get through it as they always do. Um, joining me in the studio this morning is Peter Skeeler. Good morning, How you Peter. Going? Yeah, good, mate. I'm looking out the window today and I'm thinking, thunderstorms, surely not. This looks like beach weather. It's a perfect day for football, I reckon. And let yeah. the thunderstorms set in in the evening. Well, that's what they're saying, but looking out the window now, I would never even think there was <laughs> rain on the horizon. It looks like just another perfect day in WA. Yep, get out there. Absolutely. Um, in two hours, we'll be handing over to the jazz show with Lenny. Um, I hope Lenny's good because he's, uh, he's, a, he's a good old boy. Um, and on today's show, we have a big show today. We've got um, Derek Pollock. He's our man for the European Leagues. He's going to be talking about the European League wash-up, how everyone's finished up, and then we'll run through the Champs League, some very interesting results in that over the last few weeks. I've got to say it, you'd hate to be a uh, Barcelona supporter. There you go. I'll get that, <laughs> get that joke in before anyone get else does. The worst dad pun ever. <laughs> All right, and um, Mark Anthony from Gosnells will come in as well. Um, Gosnells in Divi 2, I think uh, COVID, they, they struggled through that, but uh, as a lot of people did. Exactly. But, you know, Mark's at the helm and he's a, he's a good club man and he's um, he's getting some good results out of the boys now. So we'll talk to him. Then we'll talk to Greg Farrell, West Coast Futsal, lots of things happening in the small-sided game indoor and um, Greg's very passionate about that. But we'll also talk to him about the WMPL and, uh, of course, his team there, which is the the Redbacks. Yep. Um, and that ties nicely into the next one because the Redbacks play out at the Kingsway Olympic. <laughs> and um, Steve Nelkowski will join us 
at the end of the show there. And we'll be talking about uh, their big opening today. They've built a big stand. They've put all the seats in. It's looking magnificent. They've had Mark McGowan out. Um, there, there are clubs on the move and they seem to be able to get some money from somewhere. So, um, you know, maybe we'll learn something from Steve along <laughs> the way. Um, yeah, but that's the, that's the show. Looks really good. In news, I see the FFA have signed an MOU with the Football Coach Australia, the FCA, which is to provide technical education, professional development, and uh, arbitration for disputes between coaches and clubs, which is uh, you know, the pro clubs. Okay, well, I wish they could get on with the second division. Well, yeah, I mean, the second division is going to be around about money. I think the, yeah, the coaching side yeah. of it is is important as well, and I think we need to look at how we we train, educate our coaches, and yeah. you know, train coaches is one thing. There's lots of people out there that spout they have a piece of paper, or they've been and watched Barcelona train, or they've been and watched <laughs> Madrid train, or they've been and watched somebody train. Yeah, you know, and and all of a sudden they become the expert that's going to bring everybody's kids to to be the next Lionel Messi, and it's not yeah. the way. There's a lot of people out there spruiking stuff, and I think, you know, if we've got um, a national – and this this goes back to when we lost um, Rob Sherman. There's no direction now. The MPL is a brand. It's a flawed brand. Um, it sets up elitism. It, it encourages people to swap clubs, and, you know, every year clubs running trials. It mm. Really, we should be coaching kids – in their areas, in their schools, in their clubs. And then with the more qualified coaches we have, the better it is. But, of course, all of that costs money. Everything costs money. Yeah. We're, we're a bottom-fed system. Yep. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it goes in the future. Um, Simon Hill has joined Optus. Yes, yes. He's, and you said he was, he was um, commentating on four games today. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what four games they'd be. Knowing him, it could be anywhere across this planet. <laughs> he's um, he, he's a very talented individual, yeah. but I wish him well. And I'm glad to see that uh, Optus have picked up probably the best football commentator in the country. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's nice to see he hasn't lost his, his contact with the game. Perth Glories have made yet another final series. <laughs> well. Scraped in over the line. Stumbled over the line, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they haven't, haven't been impressive in the last couple of games. I think since we've come out of COVID, we had – from memory, I think we had two wins that I was like, yeah, yeah not bad. And yeah. we had three or four losses that were a bit the, – the team didn't look like they wanted to be there, to be honest. No Wootrick, no Castro. So, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. obviously we're missing yeah. a couple of the good players. But, yeah, this, the attitude didn't look great at times. No, I, I know Simon Maddox looked ordinary. He's no Wootrick replacement. And yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a bit going on out there. But, you know, the, they've been away from home for a long time. Very they difficult to, to do – what they're doing. Um, we spoke with uh, Jacob Burns last time I was on, um, gave us a bit of an insight into hub life. That was two weeks ago. Yep. And they're still there yeah. with the prospect of being there longer. These are men who are away from their families, away from all the other influences they have. Yes, it's great. They're all living there in, in a boys club, basically. But, um, well, I'm speaking, speaking of hub life, I mean, the other thing to be aware of is we've got the Asian Champions League, I believe, coming up in. Uh, a couple of months, yep. and they'll be in a hub for that too. Not only a hub, but a hub possibly in Malaysia. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I want to see them do well in the Asian Champions League and, you know, so treat this as a practice run for that. Also, uh, while the teams are in hubs, it's probably worth putting a shout-out to Adelaide United who, with Western United's win over the glory, moved into sixth place and knocked Adelaide out of the finals. 
technically, if Western United was to lose by 16 goals, Adelaide would get back into the finals berth. So my understanding is they have to stay in the hub until it's mathematically impossible. So they're sort of sitting there cheering on uh, Sydney, uh, sorry, cheering on Western United against Sydney today. Yeah. If they can scrape another point or at least not lose by 16 goals, um, they'll... (laughs) They'll, uh, I can't see them losing. I can't see them losing by sixteen. Goals, no, but you you would be very frustrated being locked in a hub, going, "Well, we have to stay here unless you know just to cover the situation where this team loses by a you know a record margin." So. Yeah, but in my experience, most footballers are optimists, and most of them would believe it was possible. Still, <laughs> so you know, yeah. I, th- I think that's that's where they're at. I think as as most of us would go, yeah, look, it's it's not realistic, but yeah. I'm going to stay anyway because it's, it's possible until it's not possible. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. And then um, in other news, I see that uh, Bobby Despotoski has been appointed yes. as coach of Dyer. Another great move for them. Yeah. Um, nice fit because Rod and uh, Bobby were mates and, you know, they worked together before. But, yep. um, yeah, good good appointment by Dianella. Is Is Bobby still with the Glory Youth as well? Uh, sorry, the Glory Women? As yeah. well, or so so able to run both at the same time. Oh, uh, the Glory Women aren't running right now, yeah, and they won't be until the end of the season. And I think there's, um, yeah, that's going to be a little bit different. I talked to Greg later on about the uh, W League because I think with all the women that have left to yeah. go to European contracts, yeah. um, is that going to have an effect on the, the W League? I think so. Yeah, oh, I think the W League over the last few years was one of the better leagues in the yeah. world. Uh, it's probably going to drop back to be more of a feeder league. Um, yeah. And, we, you know, but, well, I can accept that. But the thing that. is, if, if we still bring in some of the quality that we yeah. did across the world, because, you know, I can remember when when we hosted Asheville, we had um, a whole load of world-class women out yeah. there playing yeah. football. You know, these, <laughs> these are some of the greatest players that have played the game. Mm. Um, and they're out there playing. It's so accessible. If we bring those in, the girls that we've got coming through the next tier, we've got a lot of good girls coming through, like Hannah Lowry, et cetera, yep. Young, yep. young women who are, are doing extremely well. We'll be exposed to that, and that will improve their game. Mm. So I think the absence of some of those Matildas from the, the W League is, is not the, the end of it. Oh, no, it's absolutely not. It's a new beginning. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll see how that goes. We'll talk to, um, to, to um, Greg about that, and we'll see what his thoughts are because he's – a lot more involved in the women's <laughs> game than I am, but I just think in some ways it, it's it offers new opportunities for new people coming in. Yes, yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll go to an ad break, and we'll be back after this with Derek Pollock. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Lost West Fencing and Royal Triad. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The OzWest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Please don't fence me in Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. 
We have the first Sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And we've got uh, the NPL results for the NPL results. Midweek, so, so yeah. midweek. So we had a Wednesday night game. Uh, Bayswater City played out a one-all draw with ECU Joondalup. Inglewood United hosted Rockingham City and won that one 2-1. Coburn City inflicted Gwellup Croatia's first loss of the season with a 1-0 win, although Gwellup stayed top of the table. Yep. Uh, Armadale had a very good 3-2 win away to Perth. Florida Athena defeated Perth Glory 2-0 and Sorrento and Balcata played out a 2-0 draw. Coming up this afternoon, we've got Perth away to Gwellup, Croatia. Perth Glory at home against Sorrento. Rockingham City hosting ECU Joondalup. Armadale hosting Inglewood United. Coburn City travelling to Florida Athena and Balcata hosting Bayswater City. Some cracking games out there and... Uh you know, if you're a local, get out there to one of those games. Especially and, while the sun's shining. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe get what ground where it's got some shelter. I don't know. It might, <laughs> might be horrible by then. All right. Um, joining us now is our man for all things European, uh, Derek Pollock. Good morning, Derek. How are you? Good, thanks, Ron Peter. How are you guys? Good, mate. I don't know if you were listening earlier, but Pete came up with a terrible pun earlier <laughs> about I would hate to be a Barcelona fan. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've, I've, yeah, I heard that one. <laughs> I, I think everybody has. This morning. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? I mean, some interesting results in in the semi-finals. Uh, when you go through it, there's there's teams you would have thought would have romped it, like Barcelona, um, and others that have, have not done so well. So um, we'll start off with the Barcelona Bayern game. I mean, I haven't seen the highlights myself, but um, what a game! Yeah, yeah, I'm. What's important about the Barcelona game, the cracks within Barcelona have been really visible for a number of seasons now, and the collapse was was coming, and nothing was really, um, nothing structurally was being done to address it. Uh, I just didn't think it was going to come as emphatically as it did this morning. Uh, You know, even if we go back a couple of years, Barcelona had a, a... Two, I think they beat Roma three-one in in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, mm. and then um, the next leg they lost three-nil. They got knocked out. Uh, they then the next season they went. Well, Liverpool went to Barcelona, and Liverpool absolutely um, demolished them. Somehow didn't score a goal. Lionel Messi conjured up three by himself, <laughs> and they managed to somehow get a totally undeserved three-nil win. Obviously, they went went to Anfield in the next leg and were absolutely torn apart by Liverpool. So this has been coming. And again, nothing really has been done to address it. It's, it's, it's a problem that is throughout the whole club, really, not just, you know, it's not a one-off and it shouldn't be seen as a one-off. Mm. Uh, so you don't think it's a post-COVID thing or, or it's a, a Spanish thing? I mean, Spain was particularly affected by the, the COVID and, and Real Madrid have also lost. So there's, um, is it a Spanish 
disorder or do you think it's it's isolated to uh, Barcelona itself? No, I think it's, it's it's a much larger problem within Barcelona. You know, they um, they after the COVID crisis, they were five or six points clear in Spain when the lockdown um, or the lockdown ended and the league resumed. Then at the coming second by about five or six points, they just mm. had this total collapse mm. post coronavirus. But even before then, there's been numerous complaints about how Ernesto Balbete um, was running the team and how the team was sort of operating, and then he was sacked. And there's just no leadership at the club. You know, Valverde was sacked, and without any clear replacement after they sacked him, they then went to try to get Xavi from Qatar, the ex-player, and he sort of said, oh, look, I'd love to, but not right now. And then I went, oh, please? So they, he went, no, I'm managing in Qatar. Mm. And then they went to Ronald Koeman, and he went, um, look, I'd love to, but not right now. And so they just had no plan. And so they eventually just went to Kike Setien, who um, is Crucian in style, so harking back to... Barcelona's sort of heritage, but still just not quite good enough. And they've really had no, no obvious plan for a long time. You know, they, they signed Kevin Prince Boateng the other year, who was past his peak, clearly not good enough. Um, they've signed Arturo Badal, who is just not a good enough player for and doesn't fit the Barcelona model. And they've just lost all their identity as a club. Mm. So bad times ahead for them, you predict? Yeah, look... You, I mean, there has to be some kind of overhaul, but again, where, you know, where does that money come from? Because they've spent so much money in recent years that they've not got, and they've spent money they haven't had in recent years. And then the coronavirus hit, and so that has hit them particularly hard. Uh, the players ended up having to basically pay the wages of non-playing staff during the during lockdown, mm-hmm. and even the players took took huge wage wage cuts throughout the lockdown. They signed, they spent 120 million euro on Antoine Griezmann who didn't even start the game on the weekend. He came on on the weekend last night. He came off the bench, did very little. Um, but again, you know, you, you spend 120 million euro and then you don't even use the player in, in sort of the way that suits him best. Oh, well, it's all coming back to roost. Now, the, the other games we mentioned, Leipzig beat Madrid um, 2-1 and, and Madrid are also in some turmoil. Um, the Gareth Bale saga won't go away. Um, another once great club is just not performing at the level they should be. So is that Leipzig? No, Madrid. Because um, that's a, no, but that, that, so that was Leipzig and Atletico Madrid, um, yeah. which yeah. again is, is another huge issue because talking about Griezmann coming off the bench, Atletico had Joao Felix, who's 120 million euros sitting on the bench for the first half. <laughs> uh, and he, um, yeah, he didn't come off. Uh, well, he came on late and changed yep. the game, but again, yep. not enough. Yep. And then a team that is performing quite well, PSG. Hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, PSG. Uh, I don't know if you watched any of the games. <laughs> they left it late. Neymar had had had, a, had actually he had a really effective game. It's just if you take away any shots he had on goal, then he had quite an effective game. But some of the misses he had really shows that he hasn't played many competitive games in the last of four months. I mean, one of them, I felt, uh, I, I just don't even understand. I can't fathom how how badly he, he could have missed some of those shots. Um, but I felt, I felt almost personally aggrieved uh, because at Atalanta have been punching above their weight for so long. And it, mm. you know, in the 89th minute, they were still 1-0 up against all odds. And you thought, you know, will they possibly pull off just the totally improbable? Um, mm. But unfortunately... They had basically 10 players on the pitch by the end. You know, two of their best players had gone off. One player was limping around and they just couldn't quite 
couldn't quite match it for um, for PSG with bringing Mbappe off the bench and um, Maxim coming off the bench. Mm. No, it was difficult for them. I think, though, that's the sign of a, a good side that's um, on a good cup run is you need to be able to, to produce it in those last nine minutes. Exactly. 120-minute team, really. Yeah, and I think what might turn it for PSG this time is previously they've lacked any real steel in the middle, but they're a much more well-rounded team this time. Previously, it's been how many attackers can we possibly fit onto the field at any one time, but they've spent a little bit more money on some holding midfielders. They've got um, Paredes, they've got um, Idrissa Gay as well. So they've got a much more much more balanced side this year. So I think, yeah, against Leipzig, that'll be very interesting because Leipzig, uh, they've not got Timo Werner, who's fine for Chelsea, and he chose to, to leave his side before they went back in the Champions League so he could get a proper pre-season in with Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a really good... Not a clash of styles because they're both quite attacking games, but just a, um, a clash of philosophies when it, when billions have been invested in. Because obviously PSG have gone in with let's just sign the best players we possibly can and let's just splash huge sums of, of money um, on you know on these out, you know, outrageous outrageously talented stars mm. at their peak. Whereas Leipzig have very much gone for a one of the best players we can find under the age of 22 and yeah. they just filled their team with, with young players who want who've got something to prove and want to go out there and, and develop. And, and talking about teams that have thrown huge wads at cash to buy success, um, your team, City, <laughs> come up next <laughs> against Leon. <laughs> yes, yes. The City have already um, started their, their season hasn't even ended and they're already starting to throw some money around. Yeah. Um, they've managed to sign Nathan Ake from Bournemouth a left-sided centre-back, which, yeah, it makes you wonder just the sort of, you know, how much money you, you end up paying more for a player if they've got a left foot than a right foot. Mm. Um, and Ferran Torres from Valencia, who's an extremely exciting young player, um, to sort of, well, he says it's to replace Le- Leo Sane, but that leaves me a little bit sceptical given that they, they operate the same position but on different flanks. And so I don't know how effectively Torres could really go on, onto the left side. And so... Uh, he's been, play, he's been played out of position all, all this time. He's been played <laughs> out of position. That's the problem. <laughs> so the, the Man City Leon game though looks like it would be a, um, you know, after the Barcelona two uh, or the Barcelona win. Um, this is the the game you expect to see some some quality in, and and hopefully it'd be a, a close game, uh, but a, a higher quality game. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I don't. I don't think so. It'll depend on Man City's finishing. Man City really could have put five or six past Real Madrid. They were um, pressing them extremely high from the beginning, um, and that's both both goals actually that Real Madrid conceded against City were from the um, just um, giving the ball up under pressure. But Man City could have put you know four or five more past them, and really should have. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if that level of finishing continues against Lyon because Lyon have played, I believe, two competitive fixtures since March. Hmm. So they're very, very short of match fitness and they they really scraped um, through against Juventus. And yeah. let's be let's be honest, it was a poor, poor Juventus side and and even then it was they really sort of hung on back to the wall and just managed to scrape through against that. So it should be City should be a class apart. Yeah. Um, but it's just Depends on how effectively 
Leon's defensive um, efforts will be because they will sit back and park the bus and soak up pressure and try and hit on the counter. Yeah. And then that leaves us with two mouth-watering uh, semis because you've obviously got Bayern versus Leipzig and then um, hopefully PSG versus Man City, which um, both of those games sound like they might. Uh, I think it's PSG against Leipzig. PSG against Leipzig, yeah. Yeah, Bayern. Okay. yeah PSG are playing Leipzig in the, in, in the first semi. Yeah. Apparently it's the first time since 2006 seven, um Champions League that there's been no Spanish teams in the semis. So. Hmm. Yeah, and, and only one team left in um, the Champions League has, has won it. So, you know, yeah. chances are, unless Bayern go all the way, which looks entirely possible, um, then we look like we could have a new Champions League winner. Yeah. Uh, it's all starting to... The stars are starting to align for a, 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 uh, well, a Gulf Oil State uh, match-up in the final. You know, <laughs> which sovereign state team will, uh, will, will win the Champions League? And, and, and that would, you know, I think... If if it was at Man City PSG final, um, and I really believe sort of the calls for this sort of Super League uh, will will become significantly louder because yeah. you've got clubs like you know City can beat Bayern, clubs like Bayern that the fifty plus one rule stops them having any outside investment of of any real scale, and clubs will start being like, no, no, we need to do something to be able to compete with sort of the European representatives of golf states. <laughs> All right, so that's the the um, Champions League wrap up. The the all the leagues in in Europe have all wound up now, have they? Uh, yes, yeah. No, as far as I'm aware, there's not many that are haven't finished yet. I mean, Scotland has started again for the new season already. Yep. Um, but all almost all the others are now their off season break. Yeah, I'd, with the notable <laughs> exception, of course, of the Belarusian Premier League, which is it's still going. <laughs> Although, yeah, my Slutsk team has gone down the ladder, so oh, okay. I will not mention them. A few of the eastern states, uh, eastern, eastern, um, west, eastern European teams and leagues, rather, do operate on a different calendar. I know yeah. um, Scandinavia definitely offers, offer, um, operates on a different, a different time scale as well. That's why, you know, there's a lot of complaints from, for example, Scotland, where they play early. Um, early European qualifiers against Scandinavian teams who are already sort of halfway through the season. Yep. Whereas those teams are sort of in, in, in right in pre-season, so they say, then it changed the calendar. But, you know, yeah, so most European leagues have finished. The major one was, well, I mean, Italy, who Juve managed to stumble over the line and despite winning the the uh, Scudetto in, in Italy, Maurizio Sarri was sacked because just super clubs these days winning the league just isn't, isn't enough. <laughs> no. As... Yeah, as the Champ can say in PSG, when he won the three quadru- three quadruples in four years and was yeah. sacked. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a harsh harsh world, isn't it? <laughs> when you're that successful and get the sack, and and talk that uh, Ronnie may be on his on his move away from them as well. Ronaldo's looking for greener pastures. Oh, yeah, I mean that's that's a rumor. Um, I I can't see that happening. The finances of that just just don't make any sense mm, anywhere no. because he's on thirty one million euro a year, so that any club would have to match that. Plus, Juve spend one hundred million in order to be able to pay him thirty one million a euro mm. a year. So, I, I just I don't see any club putting that level of of, of funds in for someone who's um, I don't know if he's already thirty five or very very close to it. Yeah, uh, already thirty five. there would yeah. just be already thirty five. Yeah, there'd yeah. be. I just can't see it happening. That would be even PSG wouldn't spend that sort of money on on someone that old. 
Yeah, but the, uh, the transfer market rumours are, are starting to come around now. And already, William's gone from Chelsea to to Arsenal, and the question in that one is why? Hmm. Yes, that, this one. I don't know if if that's sort of almost Arsenal implying that they're going to sell Lacazette, because if you look at Arsenal's front line, Aubameyang has got one year left on his contract, so they're obviously going to try and get him. I don't know if he's already signed a new contract or if he's in discussions about it. But they want him, obviously, to sign a new contract. So that will be a pretty heavy wage increase. And then Lacazette's contract expires the year after. And so that would obviously then, as well, have to be a pretty heavy wage increase. So they'd be sinking an absurdly large amount of money into three players, all of whom, by that point, will be in their 30s. Mm. And so it's a very high-risk strategy from Arsenal, if that's what they are doing for all three of them. But I think William coming in might mean, perhaps, that like that, Lacazette might be on, on the way out. And uh, I believe City are having a sniff round Harry Winks of Tottenham. Uh, yeah, look, ha- I mean, Harry Winks is a player who he looked like he was going to have a much brighter future than he than he happens to have had yet. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if they went put much money into Harry Winks. I mean, he is English, and so that definitely helps because they have a quota. They've got. You've got to register eight English or eight homegrown players yeah. any year. Um, and so that obviously helps. But then they've got Nathan Ake, so that kind of ticks that box. So, I'd, yeah, I don't think the city would move seriously for a Harry Winks. Uh, he just doesn't seem to sort of fit any of that tactical mould better than players that they currently have. And Gareth Bale, where does he end up? <laughs> so, but Gareth Bale, actually, I'm not going to say I feel for the man because <laughs> I wouldn't mind... Uh, being paid half a million dollars a week to to go golfing in Madrid, and I don't even like golf. Um, <laughs> but he gets an, an like an, an awfully large amount of criticism from Real Madrid as fans, yeah. and I think a lot of that is unfair, given that just before coronavirus, um, you know, everyone was talking about him as let's just try get his wage off our off our wage bill, mm-hmm. um, and a, a Chinese club came in for him and they said, look, we'll pay you more. We'll take his, but we're just not going to pay a transfer fee for him. And it agreed. Gareth Bale had agreed with them that, you know, just about signed contracts. And then the, the Real Madrid president came in and said, no, 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 no. We need, we need a transfer fee as well. And we need a big transfer fee. Um, and so they got rid of the deal. And mm. so, you know, I feel that Gareth Bale is unfairly scapegoated by Madrid when he was willing to leave and he was happy to leave. And Real Madrid got greedy and said, no, no, you know, we, we want more money, and so at this point, no one is going to is going to pay what Real Madrid are going to want for someone like Gareth Bale on on of his age, of his injury history, and um, of his wages. It's just I just a financial deal. I just can't see happen. No, absolutely not. And and the the managers you don't see to me shifts in in managers around Europe. Uh, well, Barcelona is definitely going to have a new manager. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm surprised Kike Sedin hasn't been sacked yet. So. Yeah, but again, that, the, the problems at Barcelona go a bit larger because they have elections every four or five years um, for the president, and that one's coming up. So Xavi, who has said that he'd like to manage at Barcelona, he's currently managing Qatar, he's kind of hitched his wagon to the uh, a presidential candidate who is not the incumbent. So I feel that nothing, not well, I mean, anyone that they get in at Barcelona is just going to be a temporary placeholder yeah. until the, the election. Um, unless Bartomeu decides he can step down now, 
But I think the interesting managerial one will be at the moment um, with Juventus because they sacked Sarri and then they they hired um, Andrea Pirlo, who yeah. they'd hired about eight days previously to manage the under-23s, mm-hmm. which for me <laughs> screams of a total lack of a plan, um, given that they'd only signed Sarri this year and had to pay him I think about 20 million euro to get rid of him. Mm. So there, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of sort of forward planning going on there in Turin. No, and I suppose there's still some um, doubt and and some confusion around the state of COVID. Um, obviously, the Scots have already kicked off their league. Um, the there's a very compressed turnaround time for the end of the Premier League to the start of the new Premier League. Mm. Um, and really, when you look at, at Britain and what's going on there um, and around the world, um, COVID's not gone away and it could, this could be the, the new future. And I think, you know, it's going to be a, a struggle for clubs in general and particularly the lower league clubs to, to stay in and to, to survive if the COVID continues the way it does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've already seen, I mean, even though Scotland have kicked off, there's already been problems there where um, the Celtic left back went to Spain came back, didn't isolate, and then went back into public. And then also eight Aberdeen players went out drinking against uh, quarantine laws. Mm, And so even the first ministers got involved there and said that we might have to cancel it if this continues. Um, But, yeah, look, like I say, this transfer market's definitely going to be different to usual just because so many clubs don't, well, A, don't have the money to spend because of of the lack of funds from COVID. But also they're going to sort of, yeah, like you say, they're a bit unsure about the future and they're going to hold back a little bit just because of that. And so that's why, for example, there was talk that um, Conte might be getting sacked by Inter Milan. But mm. again, you know, he's owed 13 million euros um, a year for the next two years. So mm. with the COVID um, insecurity around, they're not going to do anything that's going to uh, make them um, cost that much money, basically, yeah. Um, yeah. if there's that um, uncertainty surrounding the financial future of these clubs. And where does Pochettino end up now that his um, his clause that said you know if he joined a, a Premier League club within the year, um, there was a massive payment they had to make. Um, where does that leave him now? Is he someone that's going to get picked up along the way? Yeah, look, I mean, I the the one thing with Pochettino, apparently Juve um, went and spoke to him, but he was going to cost more money than they were happy to spend, um, and so they decided somewhere else, uh, and so he's not going to Juve. Um, if, I mean, if I was Ed Woodward at Manchester United, then I'd get rid of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and, and get Pochettino now. Mm. I mean, even you know, or as, as soon as, as humanly possible, because that's definitely a better option than what, than what they've currently got. Um, Barcelona is the one that keeps coming up, uh, but I, I just can't see Barcelona happening. He's made too many... Well, I mean, when he was a player, he played at Espanyol, which was Barcelona's city rivals, and their big rivalry is with Barcelona. And then he managed at Espanyol as well. So he has said publicly a couple of times that I'd rather go work on my farm in Argentina than manage Barcelona. <laughs> so he seems to have ruled himself out of that one. But again, you know, crazy things have happened in football. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I just, there's no real obvious candidate right now for him. But I think he's just happy to just sort of wait, bide his time, and then go in when, yeah, when the right opportunity comes available. Yeah, there's a few good coaches there that are cooling their heels. So um be interesting to see what happens between now and the start of the, the season. Uh, speaking of coaches in yeah. uh, in Europe, it's worth mentioning that the Belgian Premier League or Belgian First Divisions kicked off and Kevin Musket 
uh, started his season with a win. They had a 2-1 win over Ghent. Not Genk, which uh, Danny Vukovic plays for. Ghent. Absolutely. And and if you're travelling to the game, don't go the wrong place. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, interesting. I think I read something in there also about they're playing in Spain. Uh, yeah, that's been corrected now. But yeah. <laughs> so I was reading it earlier, and there was a, a, a reference to um, a Belgian side playing in the Spanish leagues, which I thought was quite. Yeah, the, the beauty of Wikipedia is sometimes people edit it. I don't know whether it was deliberate or accidental, but yeah, they were listed as as being a team from Belgium playing in the Spanish top flight. So <laughs> maybe someone, maybe there was a Belgian person dreaming when they did a bit yeah. of an edit there. Oh, no, look, and good luck to Kevin. I mean, it's good to start off your new career in a, in a new club with a win. Yeah, exactly. So uh, good stuff to him. All right, um, Derek, thank you very much for your time and your insight into the, the league. Um, hope your team can, can go all the way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. thanks for next one. No worries. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Derek Pollock there with his views on Europe and what's going on. So yeah, interesting I, times. I, I see. Interestingly, I don't know if this is normally the case, but they've already started the the very low level qualification for the next round of the uh, champion. Sorry, the next instance of the Champions League too. So I don't know in a normal non COVID year whether you actually finish. You have the Champions League final before you start the next season. I would assume that's the case, but. Um, I see Linfield from Northern Ireland's already qualified for the preliminary qualifying rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got awarded a win because the team they were meant to play in the final uh, had to go into um, isolation due to two players testing positive to COVID and thus got awarded the 3-0 win. And and the um, qualifying the first qualifying round actually kicks off this week, uh, sorry, midweek. So there you go. They'll, they'll still be finishing the one season when they're already starting the next one. You know? Yeah, look, COVID has affected the, the planet in so many different ways. It's hard to keep up with at times. Mm. And you just wonder where it's all going to end up eventually because, um, you know, we've all struggled through it. Um, this state's actually been pretty well insulated from it. but We have, and I'm very thankful for that so far. So far, but yeah. it depends then what happens when um, it all kicks off and comes back. And if we get one community case yeah. i think we'll be in full lockdown before we know it well we've seen what happened in uh, melbourne when they've yeah you know had had a couple of cases and then it's just exploded so yeah and, yeah. and i think because they didn't shut down quick yeah, enough. yeah exactly and because we've had no exposure it will be no herd immunity correct yeah. so yeah it's a, it's a very difficult equation now what's the right thing to do but you know we one thing we do know cough and cover and wash your hands on a regular basis. So That's look right. after your health out there. All right, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back after that break with uh, Mark Anthony from Gosnells. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make, and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. 
cprosperitystratamanagement.com.au. Station sponsor. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. That went quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Division 2, we've got uh, some midweek fixtures and uh, results. Yeah, Division 2. So midweek we had uh, Murdoch University Melville came away with a 2-1 win away to Morley Windmills. Gosnell City, who we'll be going in depth with shortly, they had a 3-1 win away to Kingsley Westside. Dianella White Eagles had a 5-1 win over Curtin Uni. I don't know if that was before or after Bobby was declared coach because, you know, yeah. it is traditional to get the win with the new coach. Uh, claim it. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Uh, Kelmscott Roos had a 2-1 win over Canning City. Karamar, Shamrock, Rovers and Joondalup City played out a 2 all draw, as did Wanneroo City and Balcatta. Uh, this afternoon, Curtin University are away to Canning City. Joondalup City are at home against Wanneroo City. Murdoch University, Melville are hosting Kingsley Westside. Kelmscott Roos away to Balga. Gosnell City will be hosting Karamar Shamrock Rovers and Morley Windmills are at home against Dianella White Eagles. Marvellous. And, and joining us right now, as you said, is the coach of Gosnell's, Mark Anthony. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Good. good. Um, how's things going at Gosnell's? Um, I think you had um, pre-season, COVID kicked in, it got a bit rough for you. You've, you've got a team together and, and you, you're now starting to perform well. How was that journey from pre-season? Yeah. Well, look, like you say, we were we were ready to go just before, obviously, I think COVID um, sucked. I think it was the week leading up to the start of the season. So uh, we, we found it obviously hard there. We couldn't train and all that kind of stuff. So we're now starting to find our feet. Mm-hmm. It's both the, mostly the same squad as, as last year. We lost a couple. Uh, but, we're, look, we've just we've sort of took the shackles off a bit as uh, there's no promotion relegation, so we've, we've told the boys just to go out there and enjoy it. Um, we've not paid too much attention to detail in terms of tactics. I've just sort of let them go out and play. Uh, we have a wee bit of freedom, and you know we've actually played really well the last five weeks. I think we lost two or three games, but uh, in the games that we lost, we actually played really well. And you know, just the last couple of games, we're getting the results that we deserve. Mm. So um, Gosnells have always had a, a strong youth setup, and and the the 18s and, and Resies have always been fairly strong. Have you have you taken the youth focus this year and promoted a few boys? Yeah, we have we have through a couple of young lads in. Um, yeah, we we do obviously take pride in, in trying to bring the the young kids through. The 18s have been all the reserves had a, a terrible result actually during the week, mm-hmm. uh, but part of that is down to. The fact that I have took three or four players from there, uh, it's obviously weakened the reserve side a bit because I've put them in with the first team. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, we've got we've got three or four young lads that are capable, uh, and we're giving them a run in the first team. So, it, it's a perfect opportunity with, with what's going on this year. We no promotion relegation. It's a it's a good opportunity to to give the ones that are on the peripheral really uh, a chance to see if they're, they're capable of playing in the first team. So, as a coach, and you, you've given a bit of an insight into your philosophy around this season. Um, how yeah. hard is it to motivate players when there's there's no prospect of promotion and relegation? Well, it is, regardless of what people say, it, it, it is hard because you know the, the way that the way I, I work, the way that you know I preach to our boys, especially last year where we, we obviously tried to get promotion, we lost in the playoffs. Uh, the motivation was there. Because because you've got that carrot at the end of it. Now this year 
you know, it doesn't matter what you say to the players. At the end of the day, there is no promotion relegation. So mm. you you just got to try and hopefully get a response for your players that they'll actually go out there, they'll play with a bit of pride and, you know, personal pride and you want them to do well. Uh, we certainly didn't put out a team to, to lose games. So, mm. you know, the fact that there's, there's no promotion relegation doesn't help. But, you know, each and every player you're playing every single week, they should be, you know, proud to to get out there and have a kick around. Uh, and, and if they're not playing to win, then they shouldn't be playing at all, really. Yeah, I suppose look, for yourself, you, you've played at high levels. You've played for Celtic and um, and Perth Glory. And you, I imagine that once you step out onto the grass, all, all the peripheral stuff fades into the background and it's just yeah. you and the person you're playing against. Exactly, exactly that. You know, like I said, said there, you want to win every game. Or you should want to win every game. You know, you thought you do play for fun, and yeah. and I'm trying to say that to the boys, go out and enjoy it. But you know, I'm a great believer, and and I, and I always stick by it. If if you're winning games, it is fun because mm. you're enjoying it, and you're winning, and, it's, and you know, winning's a great habit to have. Uh, we we lost three or four games in a row there, and I said to our lads, lads, you know, losing can become a habit. You didn't want to get into a habit to keep losing, so. You know, you obviously want to play. You want to play to win. Yes, if you do lose, it isn't the end of the world. Although it sort of feels like that at times. But, you know, that's where I have to sort of take a deep breath and say, right, you know what? Maybe on a different occasion, if it was for promotion relegation, then, you know. But the fact that is that the boys can go out there with no pressure on them. And that's what I say to them. Mm. There's no pressure on you. We can't get relegated. Go out and enjoy it and play with a smile on your face. And that's the main thing. But going back to this this personal pride, you know, I watched you play here for Coburn and, you know, for you, from what I was seeing, it was a minute-to-minute prospect and, and every battle, every fight was there to be won and you weren't going to lower your colours at that level. And I, I think, you know, when you're playing, you're only in the moment and when you're playing a particular opponent, um, is yeah. is that that individual battle becomes more important than than the other result, and sometimes you do lose, but you come off going, you know, I played my part. I I came off that pitch winning that battle, even though the team didn't lose. And if everybody that becomes infectious within a team, hmm. well, that's and that's what you try and preach. You know, I, I, as I said to you, uh, as I as, as I set my team out every week, can I say to them if you can dominate your opponent? If we have six or seven hour team dominating their opponent, then you're going to win football games. Mm. Uh, and, and like I say, you've got that personal pride. You know, I never, I've never ever went out there to lose. Uh, I always say, if I can dominate my opponent, it can help my team to win. And that's pretty much what I preach as a coach. You know, you want them, you want them to enjoy it because they should be coming up, turning up on a Saturday and enjoying their football with their mates. You know, so we, we do, we preach that. Go out and enjoy it. Try and dominate your opponent, and if you do, and if, as I say, if we get six or seven, yeah, our team that dominate their opponent, then you win the game. The the other two or three, then that shouldn't make a difference. But if you have three or four that dominate, well, the other seven or eight of their team is, and you're going to lose games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, you've got some great support there at the club with with the uh, the Gosnell's grannies, and I know they're they're very proud of that name and and uh, are staunch supporters of the club. And I imagine they they wouldn't give you any quarter either, would they? <laughs> no, they, they look they love it, and, and you know what? They turn up on a Saturday expecting us to win, and you know that's a good thing. I want them to turn up on a Saturday expecting us to win. You know, we, we didn't want to lose. We're, we're a proud football club, and 
you know, we try and win every single game that we go into. Uh, it's not always going to happen, but, you know, we try and give these guys something to cheer about on a Saturday. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, the bottom line is it's a game, and I know that people make livings out of it and they make professions out of it, but if you're not enjoying it, then, you know, it becomes work, and it's, it, shouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be. It is. It's the kick of the ball. You know, the training side of it, that's you gearing up for a Saturday. You know, that's what you train for. I always believe that. You, you train hard during the week, and the reason you train hard is to try and get in that side on the Saturday. Mm, yeah. when, it comes to, when it comes to the Saturday, it's you and your 10 or 11 mates out there, and or 14, your squad, and you go out there and you try and win together. And, and like I say, if you're smiling, you're laughing, you're winning football games. Uh, it's never nice to lose. But, you know, as I say, we, we've been quite lucky this year where, you know, we've been in every single game that we've played. We've, we have lost a few. Mm. Uh, you know, I've not been too hard on the lads. We understand where we went wrong and, we, we you know, we pick the pieces of the games the week before and we tell them where we went wrong and we see if we can improve in, in the next week. And, you know, we've done that last couple of weeks. We've had um, two good results. We had a good result last weekend against Morley. And we had a fantastic result during the week against Kingsley, who who will win more games than they lose. So it was really good to get a result up there. Mm. Absolutely, no, and the Kingsley West side, um, another one of those new ventures that's, that's in this season. And um, I think they'll only go from strength to strength. And you have got uh, yeah. Caramar Shamrock as well. So what's it, what's it like playing those teams when you, you've really got no idea what you're, you're facing because they are fairly new entities. Yes, well, that's it. It's a new challenge. You know, we obviously have played your Melvilles and your Dianellas and Cannons and teams like that, and you know a bit about them. But the likes of uh, Kingsley Westside, we never knew anything about them, so we had to treat it as a new team. And then even, you know, today we've got Caramar, and, and that'll be a tough game for us. So we'll set our lads up the way that we want to play, and, and hopefully that gets us the result. Oh, look, I think most coaches don't don't worry too much about what the opposition are going to do. We worry about what we're going to do and get our shape right and, and our style yeah. of play happening. Um, but it's it's interesting when you, you don't know how they're going to form and, and what players they have or, or the, the coach's intent. Yeah, that's it. You know, you can't, you can't guess. You know, you've just no. got to take it. You've just got to trust in your process. You know, trust... Mm. We trust in, in how we're going to go out uh, about our business on a Saturday. So, you know, you're hoping that stands up, really. Um, it's a tough league. You know, yeah. you, have, you have 10, 11, 12 good teams. So it is a tough league. Uh, it was extremely tough last year. And, you know, although there's no promotion relegation, it's still going to be tough this year. Absolutely. Now, going back to player progression, player pathways, um, lots of commentary around the, the player pathway in Australia and, and just how difficult it is to become a professional. I imagine yeah. for you, growing up in Glasgow would have been a really tough environment because everybody has a ball at their feet. It is. And that's how you're, you know, that's how you, when, when you're born, you seem to just have a ball at your feet. And, you know, every kid in, in Scotland wants to be a footballer. It's simple. You know, mm. that's the number one sport. And and I certainly grew up that way that you just, you know, <laughs> as much as you enjoyed school, you just wanted to be a footballer. Uh, over here, I, I wouldn't say slightly different. I say the kids still want to obviously play football, but I guess, you know, there's a lot more sports over here. Mm -hmm. The kids are coming through and they're playing cricket and, you know, other sports. Whereas in Scotland, really, there's only one sport and that's football. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that just being good enough, just having the skills 
and the ability to play the game is not enough. You, you've got to want more and you've got to yeah. be prepared for the hardships of being a footballer. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to go, you've got to do the hard yards, really. You know, that's how, that's how it's ingrained in you. You know, you've got to work hard and, and, you know, it's not just about how you're doing. You've got to be better than the, the guy above you and you've just got to keep pushing yourself. And, and that's the message I'd give to, to any young kid. Never settle for, for what you've got. Always strive to be better. Um, because that's how the good players turn out to be great. Yeah, but you look at the the great players, you know, the Ronaldos and the Messis and that, and obviously they they've got oodles of skill and 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 huge desire to be there. But um, you know, there there must for every one of those that there must be a thousand broken dreams where someone just couldn't ah. do it. They couldn't they couldn't live in hotel rooms from week to week. They they couldn't give up their family time, um, whatever it takes, you know. And you you have to be completely driven and and to be honest, quite bonkers to want to live that football life, particularly when it's hard. It is, it is, and and it probably comes down to that focus. You know, like you say, people maybe can't do, deal with being away from their family and mm. and whatnot. But these guys, these guys did. You know, they've done it. Yeah, uh, and that's and that's why obviously the, the top players in the world. Uh, it does come with sacrifice as, as a footballer, but you know, people do it day in day out, and and if you want it that much, then you will do it. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I look at what the glory are going through at the moment. You know, they've been in this this hub for for a month, and looks like they'll be there for another while longer now. And you know, you're you're a family man. You've got young children. Um, could you imagine being away from them just so you could play the game and then well, and then get yeah, the stick? That, that that side of it is really tough. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, what's happening in all sports over here just now with the hubs? Uh, it is extremely tough because sometimes. As a footballer, you want a wee bit normality, and normality is where you you train during the day and you come home to your wife or your family. Uh, for these these guys now, especially Glory being away in the sub, they can't do that, and, and it is extremely tough that way. Uh, luckily, nowadays, you know, we've got power of the internet and the FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. At least they can still see their kids and the family. Um, but yeah, yeah. Look, that that idea is extremely tough. But again, you've got to take the positives for that. Uh, they are still playing, which is obviously better than being shut down and not being able to play. Uh, and the fact that they can do the FaceTime and stuff, they've, they've got to use that as a motivation factor. You know, they've probably done it for their kids and their family anyway. So you've just got to try and motivate yourself to, to get results. You know, and it's come to the, the business side of things now in the A-League. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully the glory can kick on. They've had a few poor results recently. But, you know, once it comes to the finals or... Hopefully, the stand up. Yeah, and, and as a player, and obviously you, you've you've seen the, the, and been subject to the scrutiny that um, Perth football players are put under. Um, what effect does the the things like the commentaries in on Facebook and the, the media um, about individuals have on on a player or an individual? Some some think you manage it, and others don't. Yeah, well, look. I'm a believer, you know, you are a role model, you know, especially these guys that play at the big clubs and whatnot. The young kids coming through, they idolise these guys that play at glory. Uh, so you are a role model. So obviously you've got to look after yourself and do the right things to, to teach these kids because these kids want to be the next, go to the next level. And, and like I say, they look up to you. So you've got to obviously look after yourself uh, and, and be, I guess, be a model pro. You know, these guys are professionals. Uh, they get paid for doing what they, they do. 
Mm. Um, so you've just, yeah, they've got to do the right thing and, and, and be a role model for the young kids coming through. Mm. No, look, it, it can't be easy because, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're a human being and, and you've chosen to play football. Um, and like most of us, we, we, we all have a flaw or two. Um, <laughs> but it just seems that there's so much more magni- magnified if you're in a team environment like that and that, you know, um, like I can go out for a drink tonight, fall over and, and, and lay on the street in my face <laughs> and no one's going to bother all past me. Happens to a player, it's front page news. Yeah. Well, you're scrutinised, yeah. yeah. Every, everything, everything you do, you know, you you are scrutinised. But you know that that comes with the territory. You ask all players, you know, they they want this. They do. It's it's a job. It's a living. Yeah. You know, they want to be idolised. There's no better feeling than than going to a game and having ten, fifteen, whatever it is, thousand fans. You know, cheering you on. It, it's it is a job that. People say, oh, yeah, that's, it's easy. It's not the easiest job in the world. It isn't because yeah. you have got a lot of pressure that comes with it. But at the same time, there's no better feeling than actually going to your place of work where you are kicking a ball for a living. Yeah. And that's what these guys that are doing it and the kids that are doing it, that's what they've, that's what they've idolised. That's what yeah. they've wanted yeah. to do all their days. And finally, they're there. And there isn't a better feeling than, and as I say, having ten, fifteen thousand people shouting your name. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's not uh, football related; it's uh, basketball. But I do believe there was a quote from Dennis Rodman when they'd asked him once about the fact that they get paid, you know, yeah. however many hundred million dollars a year. Yeah. Uh, and and his quote was, "I'd actually pay for uh, play for free. The money yeah. I get paid is to deal with everything off the court." Um, exactly. So yeah, uh, you- and and, that, and that's a fantastic way of looking at it, mm. really. You know. They, they they do get paid good amounts of money to do what they do, but at the end of the day, they do what they do because they enjoy doing it. Yeah. And you ask you ask that many footballers, you know, I mean, look, they, they get paid a good amount of money that they don't have to worry about things, but there's no better feeling than still scoring that goal and having 15,000, 20,000 fans shouting your name and, and going crazy because you've just done what they want you to do, really. Yeah. yeah. And then that leads into the next thing. What do you do when that all stops? <laughs> With what? When it all stops. You get too old, you so, get injured, um, you end up not playing anymore. Uh, and how do you keep your, you know, you, you fed off that machine for a while. Uh, how do exactly. you, you keep your head together after all that? It's tough. It's tough because only so many people that do play the game will end up going into coaching. And, you know, I know for myself, I was lucky enough to, to basically, I, I was given a great opportunity uh, at Coburn when I stopped playing mm. at Scott Miller. Uh, deemed me suitable to obviously take the job and I went straight for, for playing into coaching now there's only a small minority that actually do that obviously there's some loss to the game but you know that's you, you've just got to try and knuckle down it, it, it is different it is hard you know you're used to being idolised you're used to going out and playing in front of big crowds and all of a sudden that stops so it, it is tough for them yeah, look, we we see it in so many people, and I think you know a lot of them do go back into the game. Nowhere I was growing up in the seventies and eighties, most of the former footballers um, started to own things like pubs, and that was only yeah. just, just because they were alcoholics, and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a good it wasn't a good mix, you know. No, um, look, it's because the others, look, they do have a lot of spare time. You know, you're training yeah. every day, and all of a sudden, this has stopped. So basically, you know, like you say, they, they did a lot. Of, a lot of past players would would own a pub, or you know, it's just. A, I think it's just to give them that project to 
you know, put their put their time into something else because you know they've got plenty of time on their hands. Yeah. Oh no, look, and it's good. And you look at people like Robbie Fowler, who's you know invested well in in the property market, and you know whilst he's still trying to pick up a gig somewhere, um, he's yeah. got you know other interests. And I think it, it's interesting that. I think nowadays, particularly at the higher levels, footballers are more prepared for their retirement than they were, say, in the 70s and 80s, um, and even, say, the 90s, um, that people are, are actually planning a progression out of football or into another avenue of football, like football management or um, player management. And they're, they're the sorts of things that people do fall into naturally. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just an interesting thing, you know, because we talk about the, the player development pathway and getting youth in but we don't look at what we do with players that are leaving and a lot of them unfortunately do end up with drinking problems gambling problems and sometimes even suicide and it's not um that's not what should happen yeah no it isn't and sometimes you think you know people just forget that mm. you know oh, he used to be a player and whatnot you do forget that there is that mental issue you know and and a lot of that is the shock of not being able to turn up every day to train because you're finished and you, you know you're no longer you're no longer fit enough to, to, to obviously be a player. Uh, and and look, let's be honest, mental health is very a very serious issue. You know, absolutely. And I would the one thing I would say is that it would be good to you know we've got to look after these guys that have just went and played and you know have retired or whatnot. But you know we just we just hope that obviously they can sink their teeth into something. You know, sink their teeth whether it's Buying a pub, whether it is you know yeah. working day to day, um, but you know, like I say, mental health is a very serious issue. Absolutely, you, know, you don't want to see that kind of and, stuff happen. And having yes. having some good people around you and a good wife and, and lovely children also helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Ah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Look, keep you grounded. You know, yeah. Uh, that that's that's one thing I've noticed in the past few years. You know, I used to beat myself up when we used to lose football games. And, you know, to come home to your missus that turns in and says it's only a game, well, it doesn't feel like a game, just only a game at that time. No. But he's right. There's more There's more to life than just winning football games on a yeah. Saturday. Yes, you want to win. And that's coming for someone who does hate losing. But yeah. there is more to life. You know, you've got kids, you know, to come home to your kids and, and, and watching them. You know, oh, that's right. at, at, at the end of the day, it's only a game. And I hate that's why I hate seeing these things on social media where... You know, players do get slaughtered. Yeah. Everybody has a bad game. Everybody has a bad day at work. Yeah. Whether you're whether you're a footballer or you go to your work day to day, you have good days and you have bad days. Footballers are no different. No. You know, that's why we shouldn't beat them up for having a bad game. Absolutely yeah, agree with you, Mark. And I think you know, like you said, you, you get home, you, your wife says, "Oh, it's only a game." You you pick up the storybook, you go and read it to your daughter before she goes to sleep, yeah. and the hungry caterpillar yeah. has a way of making you feel good about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. It's true. Very, very true. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know, we are all we are all just people. You know, we always want the best for your family, for your football. You want to win. We're all winners. Nobody yeah. likes losing. But at the end of the day, you know, especially in these times, we are, there's a lot of a lot of worse people off than us. You know, a lot of worse countries, obviously, with yeah. the COVID. And we we should be thankful that football's still going ahead. You know, yeah. we're. we're we're very lucky over here in WA. We've been well looked after. You know, yeah. the 
uh, we've just got to be thankful that we're actually playing because you know there's a lot of a lot of games over in other countries where the football's cancelled. Well, Melbourne, Melbourne well, is cancelled. Mark, keep going on for hours about the the mental health of people <laughs> and, and players and and reading stories to your children or grandchildren. But um, look, I know one thing's more important to you right now than anything else, and that's kicking off at three o'clock and, and walking off at five with with a win under your belt. Mm. Thank you very much, mate, for being on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. See ya. Thank you. Thanks. Mark Anthony, former Glory and Celtic player, who, um, you know, some interesting insights there into what happens, you know, the player's psyche and then what happens when it all stops and, you know, how you have to readjust things. And mental health is so important. It is. It is. I think there was a a German goalkeeper a, a couple of years ago that, um, committed suicide. So. Yeah, look, there's uh, tragic cases across the world. There's been players in in youth uh, development programs at professional clubs who, for one injury or lack of form, have lost their places. Who then, you know, their whole life has been built towards being a yeah. a football player, a broken knee, and all of a sudden it's dead, and there's nothing to live for. Is and there is there's so much to live for. Yeah, um, and you've got to, you know be able to refocus and you need people around you. You need to talk to people if you're struggling. And, you know, the other thing we need to do, and some people forget this, is be nice to each other. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no one in, or say no one, there's very few people in this game that are in it purely for the money and purely for the, because they're, they're mercenary. Most people, particularly when you're looking at the, the leagues here in this country and particularly in this state, um, there's no professional presidents. There's no professional chairman. Mm. They're all amateurs. They're all giving up their time for the love of the game. You know, um, Don, who's here, was at Sterling for for years as a president. Mm-hmm. Um, never once did did he take a cent from them. And it, you know, at times it's a very thankless task. Yep. Um, and people forget that you, we are just all people, and if we treat each other with a bit of decency and respect, it would help. Um. All right, we're got Division 1 games. We do have week. Division yes. 1 games. So uh, midweek games for Division 1, we had Kingsway Olympic won 2-0 away at Forest Field United. UWA Netherlands hosted Joondalup United, and Joondalup United won that one 1-0. Ashfield had a 6-2 win over Swan United. I dare say you're a bit happy with that. Mm. Um, Western Knights had a 2-0 win away at Queens. Western Knights still top of the table undefeated. Uh, Mandura City and Subiaco AFC played out a one-all draw. And there is a, a, the last game of the round is actually this Tuesday night will be Fremantle City at home to Sterling Lions. Uh, today at 3 o'clock, we've got Ashfield at home against UWA Netherlands. If I can make a correction there, the Ashfield Ward pitch has been waterlogged with rain over the week. Yeah. We, there's been an arrangement with UWA Netherlands that we're playing the, those games at Netherlands. Okay, there you go. You were, you were waiting to dive in on that, weren't you? I was. Okay, so, yeah. so it's actually UWA Netherlands hosting Ashfield. Yes. And I take it then further oh, – I know because no. there's only one round, isn't it? No, no, because the, the, the pitch that we, we played Swan on uh, Wednesday night, the pitch got pretty cut up. It was – yeah, yeah, looking horrible, and with all the water it's had on it, it's not going to be good today. So yeah, we've we've spoken to our friends over there at UWA. They were more than happy to to take it on. Yep. Um, and you know that's that's how things should work. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, so Joondalup United will host Subiaco AFC. 
Uh, Fremantle City at home against Western Knights. Swan United travelling to Kingsway Olympics. Sterling Lions playing host to Forestfield United and Mandurah City at home to Quinns FC. Yeah, look, there's some, some good results there, particularly the, the Kingsway over Forestfield, both very good sides. And, yeah. you know, that one, to beat uh, Forestfield at home is, is no mean feat, particularly at night. They, they've always been good there at the night. Yeah, so Forestfield's first loss of the season, in fact. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, they, we played them the week before and they, they were very good. Um, yeah. But, you know, too good for us anyway. Beat, <laughs> beat, beat us 2-1, which is a good result for the young boys. On Wednesday night when we played Swan, I think up until half-time, fairly even game. There was a 20-minute spell uh, at the start of the first half. That I think if Swan had managed to get one or two more goals or capitalise on the opportunities they had, they would have won that game. Yep. Uh, they didn't capitalise on it, and um, you know the young fellas did well after that. Sounds like my indoor soccer team. Today, yeah, it? look, it, it it wasn't um, a flattery. It was a flattering result uh, for us in the end, but I think it, the game was a lot closer than that. Okay. Yeah, and you know Swan did battle hard, and at times looked like they could have could have got it. But yeah, yeah that's that's football, as they say. Well, yeah, I mean Swan are currently bottom of the table, so there is no relegation this season. No, there isn't. Yet, so they're on. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, looking for their first non-loss of the yeah. season. So. Actually, I meant to talk to Mark about that because at the end of the season uh, or the end of the, the 10 rounds when everyone's played each other once or 11 rounds, um, the league goes back to a top six, bottom six, and everything zeros. Oh, okay. And yeah, then they all play out in a, to get to the, the champion. So that'd be, oh, Okay, so it's almost a final series, as it were. Well, no, then there's a final series after that. But, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it's quite a convoluted thing, and I, and I really don't understand how the 18s and reserves competition works because they are going to play each other um, toward, well, up towards the end of the season. But, look, yeah. football is doing the best they can in very trying circumstances, and I think, you know, as Mark said, we're playing football. Yeah, exactly. If, if we were in Melbourne, we wouldn't be playing football. Yeah, and we probably wouldn't be in the studio. So you yeah, know, no, that's true as well. It's yeah. um, yeah, we will be thankful for what we have, and I know it's a very different year in a very different set of circumstances. But um, hey, we are out there, we are playing, so therefore we are all winning. Yeah, and uh, you know, fingers crossed if all goes well. Hopefully next year things look a bit more normal as we as we. I would hope so, but it's you know, there's a lot you can't of doubt. Say, yeah. Well, yeah. no, the the the, the uh, flu vac or the vaccine they're working on for coronavirus. There's no guarantees they're going to get one. There's no, no guarantees it's going to work, and there's no guarantees that Corona won't come back every year. Yeah, that's right. And if that's the case, then we've got to work out how we're going to do this because um, the closed borders um, has a massive effect on our economy. Yep. So yep. do do we find a way that we can get herd immunity without too many people dying? Yeah. That's big, big stuff. But, yeah, there you go. All right, we'll be back after this with uh, Greg Farrell from West Coast Futsal. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Ozfest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in.
Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. I don't know what it is about that one, but it always reminds me of listening with mother. It just makes me feel <laughs> nice and comfortable again. Um, really interesting effect it has on you. All right, the um, the women's games are on this week in the WMPL. Do we have? We have ones? the yeah. Yep. So the uh, results from um, last weekend: Murdoch University, Melville, Mum FC had a one nil win over the Hyundai NTC women. Curtin University and Subiaco AFC played out a one all draw. Perth Soccer Club hosted Northern Redbacks. Northern Redbacks coming away with a uh, win on that one, 1-0. One uh, Belcada and Fremantle City, I don't have the result for, unfortunately. Oh, I know a man so. who might. He joins us on air <laughs> in Greg Farrell. Greg, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm good, thank you. How are you both? Good, thank Very you. Well. What was that last result you didn't understand or didn't have? Uh, the last no, result? No, so that... Sorry, the, the Valcata Frio game was postponed because of the the Valcata pitch being waterlogged. Okay. It was deemed not fit to play on. Okay, they should have worked with UWA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Greg, how's things going in the wonderful world of futsal? Yeah, very good. Um, I'm actually on my way to our, our junior competition in in Karanup at the moment. Um, we've got. 13s and, and 15s going this morning. Um, everyone's everyone's starting to get back into the swing of things. There was probably a little bit of little bit of caution and concern a month ago, just as the juniors were starting back with things. But um, everything's now moving forwards positively. We are obviously still trying to build things back up because there has been quite a few teams and/or clubs who have sort of said, "Oh, look, we're." competing directly with football and, and other sports that we normally have a slight crossover with. There are, we're a few teams down, but um, I think on the whole, everything's, everything's positive. People are enjoying being back playing and we just have to sort of do a little bit of rebuilding and the, the support of, of people such as yourselves and, and out in the community is, has been a big thing in getting us back and going. Yeah, look, it's a really strange situation because in this state where we've we've managed COVID extremely well, mm-hmm. um, no community spread ever, and you know it's very hard to to get people going back. And then all of a sudden, what happened is in Melbourne has made people wary again. Um, are you still having all the things like the hand wash available and and the social distancing for spectators and that sort of thing? We are, yeah. So. At our, our Superliga, which is the, the elite competition last night, um, we probably had upwards or just between 50 and 100 spectators up in the grandstand. Um, but 
sort of that situation where you get family members sitting together, but family and friends are kind of, everyone is still that little bit wary. Mm. Um, and of course, we still have the um, all of the different types of hand-washing signage and um, the, the various brands of um, sanitizer available for, for people who, who specifically want it. Um, and not being a, a clean freak or a germaphobe myself, I've actually become a little bit attached to just occasionally grabbing the hand sanitizer and putting some on. It's a little bit of a, a weird sen- sensation, but I have over the last few months developed a little bit of a habit of doing it. Yeah, I think we all have, actually. I think it's it's one of those things that's just grown into our lives. I'm reaching for it now automatically without having to think about it, and it's ingrained. And I think, you know, it has had some other benefits because um, we haven't had so many cases of flu, and I imagine, you know, um, through your other involvement with the Redbacks, that it's interesting how many players that haven't then gone off with, with a cold or a flu because of all these other things that we're doing. So... It has a knock-on effect, but it's still that um, underlying uh, issue that we we could be in a Melbourne situation uh, at the flick of a switch, really. Well, and that, that's certainly what people are wary of. I think not not to get political or be political, but you look at the decisions that have been made by the various premiers, and then the uh, I guess the um, legal situation with Clive Palmer. I think. A lot of people can criticise individual decisions, but on the whole, our, our politicians, even though you might might loathe them, they've done a pretty good job, especially when you look at what's happened in different places. You yeah. know, um, it's, it, there is always that concern that we're going to have a situation because someone does the wrong thing, and, and I'm a, a Queensland native from Brisbane, and there was a situation where some people went down to Melbourne and then came back to Brisbane via Sydney, and now they have some community spread. Yeah. So there is always that fear that someone does the wrong thing and a lot of people then suffer for it. But fingers crossed at the moment, WA residents seem to have been pretty good about it. Now, am I the only person that seems to see some irony? I, I remember the Palmer Party platform when he was looking to be elected in the federal election was um, about the federal government selling off assets such as the Port of Dampier and an airport to the Chinese and he's now having a crack at the WA government because they won't let him sell a mine to the Chinese. Yeah, well, to, to be honest, I think the, the less said about Clive Palmer, probably the better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's just it's just annoyance that we, we have to be have the whole state put at ransom for, for someone like that. Yeah. Um, I dare say as football people too, we, we remember the Gold Coast United saga when he had a football team as well. So yeah, I think we've seen his well, character yeah, and beforehand. And that, that whole situation where he wouldn't let more than 5,000 people into yeah. the stadium yeah. because it was going to cost him more money. Yeah that, yeah, that sort of stuff is exactly the problem with people like that. Yep. Yeah, definitely. But getting back into the real positive stuff and the and the futsal, um, you know, what stage of, of competition are you at now? Are you um, mid-season or are you just at the start of the season or is it coming to a close? And No, so what we've done, similar to uh, the, the football situation, 
we're, we're having shortened winter seasons. Yeah. Um, and then we'll be having the finals for for those seasons in the next few weeks. Um, and then hopefully all things, I guess, being successful with keeping community spread and that stuff at bay, um, we kick off the summer season as it should be sort of in in September and I wouldn't say get back to normal, but, you know, try and maintain what we have had in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So nominations for the the summer season are they have they opened as yet? Yeah, so we're we're opening those up this week. We aim to be having three divisions yeah. now in the the men and the women. Um, <clears throat> we've got we've had very consistent first and second divisions over the last couple of years. So looking to expand it this this season, um, and then also expand our our youth categories with. Under sixteen men and under sixteen women. Excellent. Mm. All right. So, oh, if people want to sorry. find out about those, they they get onto your website. Yes, they can go onto the the Futsal Super League website. Um, they can also get in touch with me. Um, my contact details are everywhere. Same with <laughs> the, the Super League manager Dylan. Yeah. Um, all of those contact details are on the website. Um, we have spoken to quite a few outdoor football clubs about entering teams in for the summer. Um, and, and there is quite a bit of interest, I think. Having missed three or four months of really any activity, people are quite keen to to get involved in new things. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's, and there's definitely a market for it. And, you know, the the good thing about the indoor uh, game is that the, the weather's not so much of an issue. <laughs> Although I do remember I, when I played football over at Leeming years and years ago, um, in the summer it got quite a bit. Muggy, but yeah, it wasn't. It still was enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the beautiful thing about the the venue that we play in at uh, Perth Modern School with the Superliga is that it has both air conditioning and heating opportunities. So, if in the summer it is muggy, we uh, turn the aircon on, and in the last couple of weeks in the winter, we have been turning the heating on, and everyone seems to have been pretty comfortable. <laughs> well, that's going soft, isn't it? <laughs> I remember, I remember my coach at school used to say, if you're cold, son, run more. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's certainly a far cry from the olden days when, yeah, you, your coach would yell at you for wearing a jumper during training. <laughs> oh, good grief. If you turned up with a pair of gloves on back then, that was it. Yeah, it was extra laps. Just just because you were cold, you had to do a few extra laps. Gloves, yeah, no. Um, yeah, so the... So you've got new season September kicking off. So if anyone's interested, they need to get onto your, all your social media platforms and have a look and, and see what's going on um, and, yeah. and get involved. All right, that's fantastic. Now, um, your other passion is the, the Western Redbacks. Um, you Northern, play, Northern, oh, Northern Redbacks. Sorry, Northern Redbacks, yeah. <laughs> um, and you play out of, of Kingsway Olympic? Yeah, so we the, the club uh, has a, an agreement with Kingsway Olympic, which obviously lets us, um, tick all the boxes for the the MPL requirements with the the fields and the the grandstand and the yeah. change rooms and everything. And that's the, they've got a big thing out there today, haven't they? Because that grandstand's getting opened today, officially. Yeah, they've got the, the grand opening of the grandstand. It was it was finished. Um, well, I, like obviously the grandstand's been there for quite a while, but yeah. the, the actual seating was finished during the week by the council and it looks it looks pretty good to be honest. Uh, we we had a quick 
had a quick sit and chat when we were finishing training and packing everything up and yeah it it looks really impressive um, yeah I've, I've been out the, there the I've been out there a couple Sorry. of times and sat on the concrete there watching games and it was pretty good and I was thinking to myself all oh, these really need decent seats and it would be perfect so that's yeah. that's the way it's going to be uh obviously built to to have the seats on it yeah yeah exactly it was just a matter of like, the council had to get it finished so um it's it, it is a, an impressive facility and the the club have done a terrific job in in making that stuff happen. Yeah. We even had Mark McGowan down at our our games um, a couple of weeks ago against Melville, which yeah. was an in- interesting experience. Mm. Some of the girls and even some of the coaching staff were a little bit distracted for a while getting photos <laughs> and stuff with Mark McGowan. He's like, come on, guys, he's just a politician. Can we please get? Yeah, uh, he's he's, he's more popular in one yeah. direction at the moment. He's a, he's a rock star he, in WA. Yeah. He, yeah, he most certainly is. Uh, and did he have his did he have his Auslan lady with him? <laughs> so, sorry, what was that? The, the Auslan lady that stands with him doing all the hand signals behind him. She's a real star in her own right as well. No, actually, well, uh, I probably didn't pay that much attention. Oh, so okay. Perhaps she was there, and yeah. I missed it. Yeah, well, you're from Queensland, so you wouldn't pay much attention, would you? <laughs> um, yeah, well, that, that was the thing. I was trying to get attention back on the football game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, the obviously, the WNPL is new, um, and it's been going for a few weeks now. What, what's your take on it? The, the teams are a better quality than we've had in recent times? Yeah, I think, well, there's just more expectation around the whole thing now that the... I guess the designation has changed to MPL. It, it was something that I know people have been pushing with Football West for quite a while. And yeah. The Women's Standing Committee, I've been doing that as well. It's that, like you see the games now being live streamed every week, all of the games, and it's made, made the game more visible. Like I think the, um, Neil Bennett, who's the, the Redbacks media manager, yeah. gave us some information during the week that we'd had an average of, I think it was like 7,500 views per week on the Redbacks games, whether it was through YouTube or Facebook. Yeah. Mm. Um, the men's games, I think, were getting two or 3,000, but it's really increased the exposure of the game, which is then, well, will have a flow-on effect to the, the positivity and hopefully then participation rate. Which also, of course, is being helped by the fact that we have the Women's World Cup in 2023. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, that's so huge. All, yeah, all of those, all of those things combined, I think, are going to mean that football is going to get a, a leg up for the next little while. It's just we have to make sure that we use it and we use yeah. it well. Yeah. So the the NPL has that introduced a new level of professionalism for the players. I mean, they, up until now, it's always sort of been a an amateur type arrangement and do you, do you see that the the players themselves will like the men do end up picking up uh, or being paid um, and the other thing is the sports scientists being involved with uh, you know physios and doctors and and uh, sports scientists doing all the the running and weights training and all that other stuff that they do in the background yeah and and that's that's probably what I think has been the biggest change is the I guess the expectations around the teams the coaches um, and the players with what they're doing on the field and then outside of the field. Um, the players being paid, I think, is quite probably still 
a little ways away, um, uh, at least on a, a large scale. There, there probably is individuals who are being paid at the moment. Mm. Um, and I know uh, Curtin University made a big thing during the, the off-season about what they were going to be doing with um, their players and yeah. professional contracts and stuff. Um, but it's just... It, it, as with everything, it's a work in progress, I'd say. So yeah. we just need to make sure that the other danger is that people try and do too much too soon yeah. and things go wrong. So I know everyone is still being a little bit cautious and trying to do things properly. Um, so the, the sports scientists, the extra coaching staff, all of that stuff I think has been the biggest change at the moment. Yeah, because I think you know, we, we, we talk about professionalism and there seems to be... Um, a reticence to, to professionalise. And, mm. you know, I I honestly think that if we're going to be playing the, the first team players in the men, then uh, certainly at MPL level, the, the women should should be getting paid. Um, but it's, again, you've got to find the money for it. There's got to be the money in the game. And things like the, the exposure you get now on the, the internet will increase those potentials, the Women's World Cup coming in, and hopefully we don't miss the opportunity to um, do up more of our venues because, um, you know, the last time we, we had the Asian Champions League here, football missed out on the money somehow, mm. and I think we need to make sure that the the money does go back into football. The, the building of the home of football, um, and I, I spoke earlier with Mick Murray about it, I think the... Whilst we talk about the, the player development path, there needs to be a coach development path, a referee's development path, and a club administrator's mm-hmm. development path. Yeah, well, and that, like, like you said, the, having a home of football in WA, I think, will make a big difference. Um, of course, then there is the, the issues with, with Football West at the moment and their lack of staff, mm. um, which it, it could be a, a stumbling block, but the the pathways for everyone, for referees, yeah. coaches, for players are very, very important. And, and I suppose to be to be fair though, Greg, it's not just the F, uh, just the Football West. Um, the FFA have also been very short staffed, and I, I believe that their team that deal with ITCs only just came back to work last week. So the inter- international transfers and clearances were were untouched for a period of time. Which yeah. no great deal unless you someone try and bring in a player from overseas or um, like Curtin who got university students who fly in who then need an ITC, um, you know. And if the FFA are short staffed, then yeah, obviously everyone else is. And I think that's part of the the rebuild after this. And we've you know we're in the in this state we're in a recovery phase after the after COVID, and it's how we rebuild things. And whilst Football West are short-staffed at the moment, they're all working very hard to make things happen. But I think they're also very, very conscious of rebuilding what they had in a much more efficient fashion. Yeah, well, and and that's it, it's certainly no nothing against Football West. I know at the, at the moment everyone's short-staffed, um, mm. but the the idea I said before about making sure that everything is done in a, a considered and timely fashion is certainly, I guess, I guess um, pertains to, to Football West as well. It's yeah. not a matter of just rushing back and doing everything as it was before. Yeah. Um, they, they've got to streamline processes and, as you say, make sure things are as efficient as possible as well. Hmm. But the, the, the home, having a home of football in WA should hopefully be another big leg up 
for us to, I guess, start to attract more money through sponsors yep. and, and that sort of thing into the game. But, yeah, I just don't like this one-dimensional approach that it's just players that need development. It's everybody that needs yep. development, including club administrators, um, referees, um, sports scientists. And I think, you know, I've seen what they do at, at different clubs and, you know, when when you get involved with a sports scientist and they do weight programs, um, it really is important because you do end up with less injuries. But even more important when you when you've got girls who have been trained because their physiology is completely different to men's and if you've got someone who knows what they're doing in, in building up their strength they'll do it properly and that player won't get injured and if they don't do it properly they will yeah certainly well and the, you, you look at the the clubs now with the requirements for the MPL having a, a physio at matches automatically makes n- not necessarily injury prevention but diagnosis and also then the the rehabilitation stuff that little bit easier it's taking what has been quite often asked of a coach oh what should i do how do i do these things yeah and putting it into the hands of somebody who has a lot more knowledge and then if if clubs have got physios coming down to train during the week which we do at redbacks yeah um it, it again is taking a little bit of what has previously been the responsibility of a coach away from them and, and letting them concentrate more on the act, the business of coaching. Yeah, and, and not just the coach. And, Go on. And, and, and sorry, and giving the, the coach more time to then work on, on what they're supposed to be doing, which is coaching. Yeah. And giving the, the physio or the trainer, whatever it is, more of the responsibility for what they know and what they should be doing. Absolutely. I, I think back in the bad old days when, when I was playing, um, you'd be out there playing as a player. You wanted to play. You would get injured. Um, someone would do something to you. You, you know, the bloke would come running out there with his little bucket of water and sponging <laughs> it and make your socks wet or whatever. And they go, how are you? And you go, yeah, I'm fine. Even though you, your leg was in two pieces <laughs> and you still wanted to play. And, and I think you know, the good thing is that the, we've all got players that are big, big hearts in them and it doesn't matter what happens to them. They want to stay out there. They want to play. But when the physio who's got, uh, is a trained physio goes out there and sees them and they turn to you and they go, nah, that's it. They're done. Yeah. The decision's taken away from you. The decision is, is not left with the player and it's with the protection of the player in mind. And I think that's the important part. Because um, you know, we've all played through injury, finished the game, and then ended up missing more weeks than we needed to because we were stupid. Yeah, well, and there, there is that little bit of ego that is involved always. Yeah, wanting to continue and and not wanting to be thrown up, but but like you say, it, it's putting the decisions of health and safety and whatever else, and then also the decisions of training and coaching into the hands of the people who should be doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, going forward with the, the development of women in this state and, and football, and obviously with, with your club, Northern Redbacks, you're the forefront of it, um, there's been a mass exodus of um, talented Australian women into the European leagues, and there's some conjecture that it's going to weaken the W League. Do you see that as being the case, or do you see that as an opportunity for other players to now fill those gaps and to develop themselves at a faster rate so they too can pick up these lucrative European contracts? Yeah, well, anyone who doesn't see it as an opportunity is uh, looking at, at a glass half empty. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it, it is the perfect opportunity for young players and local players who 
have perhaps been on the fringes or have come through the NTC or other development programs but are at a level where they would have been on the fringes of the W League to actually get the chance to train four or five times a week under higher level, higher licensed coaches and within a professional program, providing the W League does get back to that level. Um, and it, it, it probably also provides us with an opportunity if, as it was rumoured, the W League is going to move to a winter season, it, it probably means that like the clubs like Northern Redbacks will lose a few players because there are players in our system already who are W League players. But it will then possibly give us the opportunity to have a women's FFA Cup. Yes. And I know that, that that's not necessarily a huge thing, but in another way it is a very big thing because at the moment there's no chance in Australia for women's players to play for their club and go and play interstate, yeah. except for in the W League. So it, it's, there's lots of opportunities that will come from it. Um, and, and certainly for the individual players who are looking to get into the W League. But then also I think for the, the clubs at, at the lower levels who don't get the opportunity to play on a national stage, it, it hopefully will provide that at some point down the track. Yeah, I suppose when you look at it from an equity and parity status, um, you know, the, the MPL men's when it gets to the end of the season there is a national MPL competition mm. and then that begs the question why aren't we doing the same for the women um, if we're, we're supposed to be respective, uh, respectful and also developing the game uh, at an equal pace then the women should have exactly the same Yeah well and, and I'm sure that somewhere in a document with FFA it has been written and it is noted as a plan for some point. Yeah. But if if this does happen and the W League moves to a winter season where they don't, or that they overlap, they compete with each other, then it probably is the perfect opportunity to try and make it happen. Yeah. No, it just is a very interesting point. I think, you know, the the MPLWA has, has been, um, other than the COVID interruption, been a success. I think the, the teams that are in there have, have done very well. Um, you know, a little bit disappointed that Queen's Park couldn't get in there, but that's done now. That's history. Um, and I'd just like to see that those teams that are in there grow, uh, and that the, the competition grows to an equal standing with the men's because, you know, the, the, they are very different games, but it doesn't mean the women should be treated any of the lesser. And I, I would like us to see that competition develop into a, a, a good, um, pro or semi pro competition. Yeah, well, and I think one of the big things with the move to MPL has been the emphasis on clubs developing juniors. Yeah. Um, and, and that was something that, that several clubs had sort of resisted or are resisting at the moment. Um, but it's, it, it's something that has to happen for the whole thing, the whole game to be sustainable. Somebody has to be developing juniors, and why shouldn't it be the people who are going to benefit from it with their first teams? Um, they don't necessarily have to have the same people doing doing the jobs, but the clubs have to take responsibility for it. Um, and I, I guess, like you said, the having parity across the men's and the women's game is a goal. Um, and as a as a coach and, and as a, a former player and someone who's been involved in the game and had a, a younger sister who played the game, it was always very frustrating seeing people and, and especially coaches treat female players differently to male players. 
yeah. you can you, there are different ways to coach and, and different certainly different ways of of talking and interacting with with female players and male players but the game involves a goal at each end and a round ball and the same size field yeah female football players are football players and we have to coach them and, and treat them like football players exactly the same as we do for the men's the men's game yeah absolutely look I, I totally agree I, one of the things that I very consciously do now when I talk to to uh, talk about Sam Kerr is I talk about Sam Kerr the football player I don't think there needs to be a gender uh, pronoun used to describe that anything else about her she is a footballer in her own right and um you know the the sooner we all start a thing like that, I think the better um you know she yeah, she definitely. has she has been in the top 10 best players in this world no man has ever done that and I think we we need to celebrate the successes um you know and it's not a lesser thing though some of those women like Marta are absolute stars in their own right and she walks amongst them and above them at times you know um and I think you know we, we just got to enjoy the, the games. They are very different games, um, you know. Whilst they they still got the net either end and the ball, um, the men's game is very much about pace and power, and the women's game is very much about skill and finesse. So, um, you know, it is a, a different product, but the same product, and I think it should be celebrated. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, well, certainly there are different aspects to to each of the games, um, but you, you talk about. Uh, pace and power and you, you only look at someone like Sam Kerr and, and look at how athletically powerful she is. Oh, um, look, and, and, you, and, and I think the... Sorry. You put a ball in the air and she heads the ball better than 95% of men. Yeah. Well, there's a very a, a big similarity with her and Tim Cahill yeah. in, yeah. in that, that exact regard. Yeah. That, that just phenomenal athleticism. Yeah, absolutely there is uh, and you get no argument from me on that one. And I think, you know, look, we we tend to fear professionalism because it's going to cost us money or whatever, but I think we need to, to embrace it. We need to say that the, these things will improve our game and we, we shouldn't be second cousins to any other sport in this game or in this country. We are the leading sport in this country and we need to believe that and become that. And I think, you know, we're waking up. The Women's World Cup is going to shake things up tremendously and I think it's a something we need to capitalise on as a sport. Yeah, most definitely. And the more, I guess the more positive people are about it, the better off we're going to be. Even, even sometimes the, the idea of faking it until we make it. Um, if, if we are lacking in something, um, we just need to, to sell ourselves as well as we can. Absolutely. And then work to a point where that there is no deficiencies anymore. Um, at least at the level that there are now. Yeah. Um, and, and, that may take that may take time, and it may take a little bit of bluffing <laughs> in some situations. But it, it's about making sure that future generations of of kids in Australia think football, whether it's the number one sport yeah. or not, it, it's their number one. Sport. This is the ground floor. We need to get ahead with it. I could keep on going on this all day, but we do need to move on. Um, thank yeah, you, right. thank you very much for your time, Greg, and your thoughts. It's been fantastic. Cheers, mate. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a Thanks, good weekend. Greg. Bye. Greg Farrell, West Coast Futsal. Uh, also worth mentioning, I mm. sort of glossed over this when we were talking about the upcoming results, but uh, Football West is having the Regional Festival of Football and they've got a double header down in Centenary Park yes, in Albany. Yes. So we sort of glossed over that. Yeah. But the three o'clock My game old stomping in the, ground. your old stomping ground? Yeah, yeah the, old, the, the three o'clock game between... 
Perth Glory NPL yep. and Sorrento yep. is in Albany, as is the women's game after that at 5 o'clock, the Hyundai NTC women against Perth Soccer Club. Uh, good luck especially to Miranda Templeman, who is, I assume, down there with the squad for the game, one of our presenters with uh, Penny and me at times. If her team's down there, she's down there. That's right, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Penny's got a four-wheel drive, try stopping her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, no worries. We'll be back after these. a junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We have the first Sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. One hundred seven point nine FM, your local station. And a big day out there at Kingsway Olympic today is the official opening of the new stand. And the man who's been very much involved in the development of that stand and the the transition of the club is Steve Nelkowski, who joins us now. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are we? Brilliant. Um, Great day out there for you guys with with the stand. I've been out there a couple of times and seen it without the seats. It must look fantastic with them in. Yeah, it's, it's made a real difference getting the uh, seats in over the last week. So, um, and, and and they're all green. Um, they're, they're high quality. It looks looks magnificent. Uh, there's, there's, there's a real sense of the green machine um, back out at Kingsway Reserve. And a fantastic result during the week for your boys away at Forestfield as well. Yeah, I was pro- probably uh, close to performance of the season. Um, the, the boys were outstanding the way they moved the ball around. Um, it was it was a complete performance, which. Um, was really enjoyable to watch, capped off by um, a really good second goal. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we can uh, score a few more today. And a bit earlier on today, I was talking to Greg Farrell from the Northern Redbacks, another one of the successful um, interactions that you have in football. And he was talking about the having Mark McGowan out distracting his game. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there was a big, big announcement by the Premier um, two weeks ago. Um, we worked, worked hard with... 
our local uh, government and, and also state to continue to develop the facility here at Kingsway Reserve. We feel that uh, you know, we provide a lot of good benefits to the community um, and also in terms of what we offer as a sporting club um, is, is more than just you know the, the football games as well. Mm. The uh, relationship with the Redbacks over the last 18 months is instrumental to what we'd like to do in engaging um, female participants um, and also you know, ourselves in returning back to the NPL, um, but also making sure that we're a strong community club throughout our juniors and also social levels. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of work we'd still like to do as a club collectively, um, but we're really happy with the results. Um, of, of, you know, two weeks ago, which will uh, help with the, uh, with the redevelopment, but also what we'd like to achieve in terms of providing, um, you know, football to, to the community and a great asset uh, for the Northern Corridor in terms of a... Uh, uh, a venue for everyone to use as well. So we, we, uh, we, so, uh, we would love it. So what learnings yeah. are there for you? I mean, there's uh, obviously for your club, you're very successful. You've been able to get the, the grants to develop the stand and, mm. and more development. Um, what would you say to uh, clubs out there that are decrying the fact that there's no money out there and that they're not getting any help, they're not getting any assistance from the government? Um, you've obviously been very successful in that. You must have some hints and tips for people. Um, oh, look, it's, it's a continuation of things over a long period of time. You certainly need to be very detailed in terms of what you're providing um, to the community. I think for, for clubs these days, you've got to look at, you know, beyond what you just offer as, you know, um, your, your primary source. Uh, uh, yeah, Kingsway traditionally and always, you know, has been, I guess, a, a soccer or football club, but we offer so much more now even you know, in terms of, you know, what we have you know, in, in our hall um, throughout, throughout the week. There's bingo, there's dart. You know, we've got community markets on here on, on, on a Saturday. Um, local councils, government, they, they want to see um, you know, a cross-section of the community. You can't survive if you're just going to um, pr- provide, I, I guess, the one recreation. Um, my, uh, my recommendation or tip would be open your arms um, and yeah, but be something more than just, you know, than just a football club. You have to be these days. Um, and 10, 20 years' time, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see a lot more clubs having to merge because there'll be a shortage of facilities and also local government won't be able to support every individual club. So um, you need to make sure that, um, yeah, you, when, when you're speaking to your council, you can tell them, uh, you know, what, what are you offering to the community? Um, what, what are the benefits to the people you know, in, in, in the surrounding suburbs? Um, yeah. It's, it's re- a really, really important storyline. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's um, a lot going on with COVID now and, and the state's kind of in a recovery stage, but we've got one eye on, on Melbourne thinking that could be us any minute. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty around there. The winter sports, we we were interrupted, we survived it. Um, I know your other big passion is the Perth Heat and, and baseball and how is that looking going into a summer season? Is, is COVID impacting on that dramatically? Oh. <laughs> it's, it's changing every day in a lot of yeah. ways. So, yeah, had you asked us four weeks ago, um, yeah, the schedule yeah, for the baseball season would have been announced yesterday. Has that been pushed back by a couple of weeks? Um, yeah, officially it has. So uh, there's still some challenges there in, in working out uh, yeah, the, the best schedule for, for, for teams, um, given that we're not only a, you know, six teams from Australia, but there's two international teams uh, to complicate matters just that little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, I think we, as a as a sport, we tend to be very, very mono-focused. And I think, you know, 
what's happening to us is now going to start to happen to to cricket and to to baseball and to tennis and to all the other sports that are traditionally played in the summer and the bowling clubs everyone's suffering and no one's no one's missing out on this at the moment and i think you know it's hard i would say it's difficult for everyone and probably the um the trickiest part of the whole process has been that there is no end date so it in some ways, it would be mm. easy if you knew that, you know, come December 1, January 1, the world was going to be fine and, yeah. and return to normal. Well, you can plan for that. But right now, uh, um, the markets keep keep changing. Yeah. So, certainly in terms of baseball season, there's some challenges there with understanding the fixture. But it's no different, again, to what, um, you know, the Sheffield Shield Cricket's experiencing, the NBL with the basketball. Um, who knows when the A-League will, will restart again. Yeah. Um, you know, a traditional October start's already been pushed back to December. Yeah. Um, but there'd have to be a couple of question marks over that as well. And and for all the emerging sports, um, there's certainly not the same money in terms of a, a lucrative broadcast agreement to uh, to support um, teams playing away from home. So not playing at home means you lose a lot of revenue. Um, yeah. You know, be it you know, ticket sales, memberships, uh, concessions inside the stadium, but also exposure for, for, your, for your commercial partners as well. Yeah. Yeah, and there, uh, there is no blueprint. No one's no one's done this before, so we're all learning on the hop. No, yeah, and the, yeah, correct. And you try and learn off what you know, the sports are doing at the moment, but yeah, you know, it's a totally different ball ball game when you compare um, other sports to the to the AFL. That's yeah, two point five billion dollar broadcast agreement. That's that's big money. Certainly helps. Uh, <laughs> well, it helps absolutely, but yeah. you, you've also got to remember the other. While it helps the amount of uh, changes the AFL had to make mm. for their club to remain sustainable, so you know, you know, just even in the coaching department, fifty yeah. percent of uh, you know, footballing staff was stood down, staff was stood yeah. down. Um, the AFL had to take you know, a line of credit against Marvel Stadium. I think yeah, yeah five hundred million uh, for memory. So there's, <laughs> there's there's challenges for every sport, it's just like every business. Everyone's affected in some some different way. Um, so yeah, there's. There's, there's things we need to work through and, and continually work through, and it's important that you know, collectively as a community we all support each other and and and, and are patient with it with, with each other. And as I suppose well. that's uh, the other thing with COVID, though. And you talk about you know Kingsway being involved in so many things in the community, and I know they are because I've got a son that plays for one of your amateur teams. Um, is that COVID basically shut down community? Yeah. And you yeah. know, all of your revenue streams were, were decimated. I think most clubs, a conservative estimate would be you're running at about 60% loss on what your projected income would have been. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of doubt out there. And I think, you know, having been through what you've been through at Kingsway sets you up nicely to, to at least anticipate what's going to happen for the summer sport that you're involved in. And I think we, we all need to share these learnings because we are all doing it for the first time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of you know, strong support from uh, yeah, from so many different parts of our club. Um, yeah, in, in terms of uh, you know registration fees and you know, what what how how that worked in terms of refunds and um, you know was there a percentage that needed to be given back to, to players and families and yeah, you know, we had great support across the board from all levels of football. You know, our Saturday first team um, and, and all coaches uh, playing for no, for, for no payment. Uh, which, which makes a huge difference, and it, 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 it's that um, you know collective ac- 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 across the club that yeah. makes a huge difference. So for all our Saturday lads to uh, you know, put their hand up, and go, no, we, we understand the situation. We, we, um, we're happy to yeah, play for the club, and um, there's no payment. That's 
know, that's made a huge difference as well. So, yeah. and uh, yeah, from what I hear, that that's that becoming the norm now across it's pretty you know, much a, across a the board. Yeah, the football. There's yeah, there's, there's there's some some clubs operating a little bit differently and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, our, our boys were were sensational and um and the way they performed. Yeah. Uh, has been brilliant as well. A lot of people said they wouldn't be playing for too much this year. Um, mm. Yeah, if you saw, saw the game against the Western Knights, um, yeah, that was an absolute cracker. That was uh, worthy of a cup final. And then uh, the other following week, in the big derby against uh, against Sterling, where we had close to a thousand people down there, yeah, um, yeah, was it was another great um, showing that uh, there's plenty to play for this season. Mm. Oh, there certainly is, mate. And uh, this afternoon, more more reason to play uh, with a bit of passion than most with with your new stand opening. Who's actually going to do the opening, Mark McGowan or? No, Mark McGowan uh, won't be at the uh, the club today. Um, so <laughs> the, 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 the best part of the uh, investment for um, the upgrade to the change rooms, grandstand, yeah. uh, came from, uh, from our local council. So the city of Wanneroo will be well represented. Today uh, with Mayor Tracy Roberts. Yeah. Um, we'll also have re- uh, representation from the Senate with uh, Dean Smith coming along as well. There was a contribution there from the Coalition. Yeah. Um, and also we'll have some other uh, local MPs, Margaret Quirk, uh, Federal Member for Cow, and Anne Alley will be here. So there'll be a great representation of um, of councillors and politicians and the, you know, all our sponsors, um, our past presidents, um, players, etc. So. The weather's held out for us, which, yeah. is, which is wonderful. And, yeah, we're looking forward to a really good afternoon. Absolutely. Again, it's one I see. In my experience, she actually likes to be called Margaret Ann Quirk, but that's... <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, she's, she's a lovely lady. Um, look, I thank you for the attention you've brought to the game and the, any publicity we can get, and particularly the public, the, the positive publicity is, is fantastic. And, you know, the... The fact that you are getting what you're getting is, is great for your club, but I think it's also great for the game because that that's where investment has to start somewhere. And when one starts doing it, the the game gets raised across the board. Mm. Um, you know, Perth Italia have been one of the great clubs over the the years. Everyone's lifted their game to meet them, and now you know other clubs like Gwellop are setting a new standard, and, and that's what needs to happen. And clubs like Kingsway. Um, who were a powerhouse years ago have been dormant, but now coming back to that that status again, but in a whole new fashion. And I think the the, the basis that you have professionally and politically is is good for the rest of the game, and, and not just for Kingsway. No, absolutely. It's important to yeah remember yeah this upgrade to facilities. Yeah, I, I think an upgrade for the sport. Um, yeah, Peter Philopoulos, a, a good friend of mine. Who was uh, CEO at the uh, Perth Glory? Yeah. Now, mm. he's a CEO of Football Victoria. Continually talks about the uh, the chronic underinvestment, yes, uh, yeah. in, in facilities in Victoria. And you compare our facilities to what they've got in Victoria, and yeah, we're, we're light years. We're third behind. world. <laughs> and he and he's continually talking about the chronic underinvestment yeah. in you know, football facilities. Yep. And that you know, is something that we need to continue to uh, yeah. also uh, remind local councils and state government. About here, we're the best participated sport, yeah. um, you know, in, in the state, and we need better facilities. We need we need to make sure that uh, is to bring through yeah the next generation of stars like Stan Absolutely. Lazarides. Absolutely, as I said, you know, to... was here this morning. Stan was here this morning yeah. running a free yeah. soccer clinic, um, which is just and he was king of the kids. It was yeah. wonderful. Um, As I said to Mick yeah. Murray uh, a few weeks back, football clubs are not just football clubs, they're community hubs. Yep. And if we don't yeah. invest in community hubs, we're not investing in our community. 
No, no, that's exactly right. And that's yeah. where we uh, go back to my earlier comments about make make, make sure you're a good cross section of the community. Absolutely, um, Steve. And, and, and I sure need to interrupt you because we're, I'm running out of time, and yeah. I've got to get Lenny on with his jazz show. I do, he gets upset with me. Um, so thank <laughs> you very much for your time. I love enjoyed the chat. Have a great weekend. Yeah, and best of luck this afternoon, mate. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks. Steve Nelkoski, that's it, mate. We're done. Penny's back in next week. Thank you, Peter, for being here. Lenny's on with the Jazz Show very shortly. Um, I'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.